0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. <music> I never told. I never told.
0: What fresh hell? <laughs> Laughing in the face of motherhood. What happened? Nothing. We're fine, fine, nothing. With Margaret Abel's and Amy Wilson. News report from the fourth grade classroom
1: a podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have
0: to. What? Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of
1: What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy.
0: And this is Margaret. And today we are talking about when should kids tell? Hmm. I suggested this episode after having a conversation with Christy, my famous on the podcast sister-in-law, who I talk all parenting things through with. I will say before we start, as sort of obvious by our topic, this is going to go down a couple of like, you know, darker avenues, perhaps, because we're talking about kids and the kind of things they need to talk to you and tell you about and we're not talking about the fun things like should they tell you all about the magical wishing stone like that's not this episode this is a little bit more oh god I'm glad I'm glad we're not going to go back to the wishing stone I mean (laughs) this is a little bit more about should they tell you about some bad things that might be happening in their lives so if you don't want us having that conversation around your children this might be a good episode for them to skip Okay, so this came up. I can't remember what episode Amy we were talking about it on, but I had an incident with my daughter who was somewhere and saw something kind of funky. And she came home and I said, How was it? And she's like, I'm not sure I should tell you. Right. That was her reaction.
1: And, and the idea that that would be her first reaction shocked me.
0: I saw something bad. I'm not sure I should tell you, mom. Like, right. right. Like, something. Of course you tell me. I'm going to make up this example which is not at all what happened and has never happened to me. But let's imagine that she went over to a play date with some friends, a group of friends, and she saw the mom drinking a tremendous amount of alcohol by herself while watching the kids. Let's give that as an example of what happened, although it is not what happened. Okay. And she did say to me, she's like, there was something weird that happened, but I'm not sure I should tell you. She knew enough to know it was kind of funky what was going on, somehow kind of secret and wrong. And then she knew enough to be like, I'm not supposed to tell other people's secrets. And she somehow knew this thing was a secret. And so Mm. it kind of was like a splash of cold water in my face of like, what is this? Like... And by the way, my daughter is seven. So we're talking about a little kid. And it made me really interested in this topic. And then at some point, Christy, my sister-in-law, who I talk about a lot, who runs a school in Chicago, she said to me, I would love it on the podcast if you would talk about this issue of when should kids tell. It's something we talk about a lot as administrators at the school. And it's a stickier wicket than you might think.
1: All right. I, I'm looking forward to this because I had a similar situation with a much older child saying that he wasn't going to tell me. I found out about something that was happening that didn't include him, but could have. And he was, you know, he didn't tell me. And I, I believe that he should have told me and my uh, spouse actually disagreed. So we'll talk about that. That's an older kid thing.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a tricky one. So let's start at the beginning. So when we have little kids and my daughter who would not tell me about this situation although to be fair she did say I'm not sure I should tell you and then of course I immediately got the information out of her so like it wasn't exactly that she didn't tell me <laughs> because you're like yeah that that means you must but that she had some instinct not to tell me was concerning I thought so but she is also a fantastically huge tattletale which is a funny dynamic right so I was like let's start our conversation because I do think this is an ages and stages thing. With like the idea of tattling versus telling.
1: Tattling, it's a weird thing because we use this word that's completely pejorative with kids. Like, are you tattling? But we don't. Right. We we don't explain it to ourselves, let alone to them, what that even means,
0: right? We say it all the time. We're like, don't be a little tattle butt, you know, Yeah. because my daughter is a fantastic tattletale. And in some ways, we have a joke always, like the friend group That, like, as long as there's an older girl in the yard, you can let the kids do anything because the (laughs) older girl will come running in and be like, my brother in law's family tells a story that, like, his sister was like the knowledge police basically at their house and that the parents would always come driving home and if something bad had happened, she would be standing out at their mailbox with her arms crossed, like ready to give them the full report on the crimes. Oh boy. Um, So yeah, we don't actually want tattling. Tattling is bad. Well, what's the difference? Let's talk about the difference. Yeah. Okay, so tattling, getting someone in trouble. Telling, getting someone out of trouble. Hmm, okay, okay. I mean, like, getting someone out of trouble if they're being bullied, but you are getting the bully in trouble. Yeah, but the bully should be in trouble. Like, yeah, it's... it's getting someone else out of trouble. Getting someone out of a bad situation is Mm -hmm. telling. Getting someone in trouble is tattling. I feel like that's pretty Mm -hmm. clear to me when I think about this idea. This is from, like, a mimeographed handout that I found on TeachersPayTeachers.com, by the way. Like, it's like, (laughs) these apparently are things that, like, hang in, like, kindergarten classroom walls. And
1: that tattling is unimportant and telling is important but again that's that's a little hard for a six-year-old to be like yeah but he was pulling her hair that is terribly important in my first grade sense of justice
0: yes exactly well let's go through the list and then we'll talk a little bit about the background tattling is harmless telling is harmful or dangerous so the action that the person is doing so like they're touching the glue with their hand it's harmless They're using drugs behind the bleachers. It's harmful or dangerous. So there's a distinction. Tattling is an accident. Like someone bumped me in the hallway. Telling is being mean on purpose. About somebody who's being mean on purpose. Yes, about someone who's being mean. This is like going back to the bullying thing. Like it's not bullying if someone's like, you're dumb. That's not bullying. That's just someone saying something mean. But like a a campaign of terror against you is bullying. And like that's sort of a difference between like he he touched me in line. That's tattling he is constantly shoving people every time the teacher's back is turned. That's telling. Do you think that
1: we should maybe not tell kids not to, like, I feel like that word should kind of be retired. If we do want our kids to tell us important stuff, we should stop casting in a negative light. Like, you shouldn't be telling me that. And there's a, you know, there's a special negative word I'm going to use about you for telling stuff. It, I I don't really I don't really get why we need to tell kids to stop
0: tattling. Other than that, it annoys us. Amy, you are in agreement with many people on the internet who have written "Let's stop tattling" articles, <laughs> but I'm going to counter argue. Okay, tattling is also bad and a problem, and it needs to be disciplined. When is tattling a problem? Tattling is a problem because. Basically, developmentally, kids are very into rules, which is good. As young kids, they don't sort of see the spectrum of behavior. They're like black and white. This is good and this is bad. But then certain kids, as a part of showing off how great they are at understanding the rules, take it upon themselves to administer the rules to someone else. So I constantly find myself saying in my house, who's the Mm -hmm. mom in this household? Is it you? No, it's me. It's important that your kids don't become kids who are in everyone else's business, minding everyone else's business, but their own. That's a thing. Yeah, those kids are a real pain in the rear. And I mean, I've been that kid. (laughs) You, Amy, I can kind of see that. I can see you being a little tattle butt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I was the oldest. I was oldest kid, the smarty pants in the classroom. I was the oldest grandchild.
0: Yeah, you're kind of an A student. Like, I've got this. I was the Tracy Flick of any group in which I found myself. Tracy Flick is an oldie locks alert. Back in my day. But the movie Election is fantastic if you haven't seen it. And Tracy Flick is exactly the kid we're talking about. You don't want your kid to turn out to be Tracy Flick. You don't want your kid to
1: turn out like Tracy Flick. But I wonder if the world sands the edges off. Like, I had a kid who was a justice warrior when they were little and were quick to tell me what everybody was doing. And that went away. And I, I think it is something that's it's an annoying behavior. But does sort of socialization sand those edges off eventually anyway, without us?
0: It probably does. But I think through use of the word tattle. But Amy, I am going to quote from you a greatschools.org article. Okay. Because it features something that you love, which is a rhyming rule. Oh, so This article says, if the end game for parents is making sure our kids feel that we are safe and available, harbors for all kinds of information, then maybe it's time to simply erase the word tattle from our vocabularies. We can replace it with something a bit more dull, but perhaps ultimately more helpful for keeping the lines of honest communication open, like having conversations about concerns or using a catchy phrase like don't squeal unless it's a big deal. I think that we should all as a people replace
1: the word tattle which is we've just had to spend 10 minutes figuring out what it means exactly and we should only heretofore say don't squeal unless it's a big deal
0: i mean i could not disagree with you more (laughs) but i like that you have that point of view i think tattling is a different thing than telling and that it's it's better well no it is but
1: why not why not tell the kid who came in and said like she drank too much water at the water fountain why Why not say back, don't squeal unless it's a big deal, instead of stop being a tattletale. That's all I'm saying. Not that tattling should be allowed in all circumstances. Use the right words.
0: I mean, I don't know. Is this just your absolute love of a rhyming phrase? Do we need yes. to eradicate tattling completely from the vocabulary? I think it is very, very important to make a distinction for kids between being policemen that is not your role and just kind of saying like, why are you involved in this? Why are you minding this person's business? Mind your own business. I find myself using these phrases all the time when you're dealing with siblings and stuff. And then making a distinction between like, I want you to come to me if someone is doing harm to themselves or other people, but you should not be the policeman of the playground and minding other people's business.
1: But also like, to use another rhyming phrase, when we just hear like, cinches get stitches. (laughs) Telling's bad. You know, like if we're telling our kids that and then we're aghast that they're not telling us something that we really needed to have heard, then maybe we're messaging wrong and we need to.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the crux of the sticky wicket that like, but I think the solution kind of lies more in making a distinction with them in terms of what kind of stuff, because there's also a gossip element in this, which I think is part of what I think that's key to what stopped My Daughter that I often, I have a zero tolerance policy for gossip. Like, you know what this person did and it was really dumb. I'm like, no, 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 we don't talk cruelly about other people. But then that's another distinction that needs to be made. Like, you're not gossiping about somebody if you come to me and you say, my friend is scared because her mom drinks in the car. You know, that's not gossip. That's something that like, that's too big a problem for you as a kid. And you need to loop an adult into that.
1: Amy Morin wrote an article for Very Well Family, and she, she comes down on the side of don't, don't tell kids to keep secrets. But then when you actually read the article, it's not secrets are bad. It's here's good secrets, here's bad secrets. But she talks a lot about how you have to teach your kids a little bit about family privacy, that, mm-hmm. if you're, that your brother's failing math is really not something for a public broadcast. Right. You know, it's something that's happening to somebody else. That's not something you need to tell people. Because it would hurt their feelings, I don't know. It it gets into that, but but I I do think there have to be sort of. I mean, even we're having a hard time being like, well, this is okay, but this isn't. Can I tell you that this story of the example of my older kid, because this this really sort of brought this into focus for me, that I wasn't sure I had the you right can. answer. Okay, so this was my my uh, child was in middle school, and some of the kids in my child's grade were. Jeweling, you know, using the e-cigarettes, yeah, in uh, one of the lavatories during breaks between classes, and there's no, there were odorless, so there was no way to detect this, and I guess it went on for a while, and I guess it only became apparent once half of the kids that were the same gender as my child were mysteriously. 10, 11, 12 minutes late for a math class. So it was a big group of kids. It was, let's say it was, well, these are small class sizes, but let's say, yeah, it was six or seven kids were in the lavatory, like on school grounds using dual in between classes before it was discovered. And okay. of course, it eventually gets discovered and, you know, the hammer comes down. These are little kids, so nobody was expelled, but there was some very serious conversations had about these things. Talked to my kid about it. Uh, Because I was sort of properly horrified that kids this young were doing this. And turned out my kid knew all about it and had for most of the time that it was happening. Because, of course, all the kids knew about it. And I said, well, why didn't you tell? Why didn't you tell somebody that it was happening? And he was sort of like, I'm not going to do that. And I said, well, you have to. It's important. And, And my spouse came down on the side of that's not our kid's job to tell on these other kids and get them in trouble. I'm like, right, but there were little kids who were doing something and and now since this whole thing has happened it's become more clear that like jeweling is immediately and obviously horrible and we need to our kids to not be doing it and it's very addictive this was a sort of dawning of the age of jewel but I wasn't clear in the end like oh hmm I see that my, my spouse's point of view was our kid doesn't need to mortgage his good standing with his peers and have everybody know that they're the one who told uh, in order to do something that's not that my child's responsibility to do.
0: Amy, I'm going to react to your story right after the break.
1: Margaret, I've got a go to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak proof skin protection and up to 0% skin
0: irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers
1: Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin.
0: Start your Hero Bread bundle on their
1: website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the
0: code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H E R O.CO and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, we're back. I think that the story of young kids. Using e cigarettes secretly is exactly in the strike zone of this dilemma, right? Mm hmm. That, like, I feel like we all understand that. So, I talked a lot to my sister in law about this. She's a mandated reporter. So, if you don't know what that means, it's like if someone comes to you with information that, that there's abuse going on, she is. Legally obligated to report that to the authorities. So this is something that became, I don't know when this came into practice, but like maybe a decade ago, the idea that like we're going to make it a law that if someone comes to you, you have to report because we don't want people to have to make this decision about like, wait, is this something I should go to the police about? It takes you out of the situation. I work in a couple of um, situations where I am a mandated reporter and... I have had conversations with people because it makes my job easier. People come to me and they're like, can I tell you something? And I'm like, you can. But before you do, please understand that I am a mandated reporter. And anything you say to me, if it is a crime, I will be going to the authorities with that crime because that is my job as a mandated reporter. It kind of takes the onus off of you, right? Like, wait, wait, what if your son had come to tell you kids were dueling? Like, you would have gone to the school, right? And then it's like... It's a sticky situation. Then your kid is kind of the narc, you know, and it's it's difficult for everybody. The other thing they have in Illinois, uh, where my sister's school is, is they have mandated education about childhood sexual abuse. So like, this is another thing that people have started to figure out that like giving kids information upfront makes reporting much, much easier. So this is only in 20 states in the United States, but they have to present a curriculum at her school every single year about sexual abuse. To the kids or
1: to the teachers? To the kids. Yeah, that's. I think that's important, yeah.
0: And I think to me that unlocked something in it because what you said is really interesting. Now we understand that juuling and e-cigarettes is in the drug category basically. Right. Like that is something that you have to report and it but probably as it started to come up it's like, well this seems sort of harmless. I don't I actually have to say like because of my kids ages, I know nothing about juuling. I should probably figure it out soon, but like <laughs>
1: we'll do an episode.
0: But like what is that? Like, it seems, I mean, I've seen people do it and it's like, wait, what are you doing? It looks like you're like sucking on an iPhone. Like Mm -hmm. I don't under, it doesn't really, I think mentally register. So I think part of what's important about this topic is like making sure that your kids have the power of information before they are confronted with things so that they kind of understand what these things are when they come up. I'm so glad that this topic came up because I feel like this is something that I hadn't thought through, and it's really important to think through. So Lucy Henman, author of Parenting and Teen Girls, says part of healthy development is turning to peers as a source of contact and connection. That means that teens want to know whether their outfit looks cool, social snubs, they're going to talk to a friend. A lot of kids think, I'm not going to bring things up with my parents because I'm going to be judged or hear a lecture. They can be more open with their friends. In fact, that is developmentally appropriate, and you want to foster that. But you want them to be prepared if they hear stuff during conversations that is over their head, that they're not ready for.
1: We don't want to be the ones to tell them the things that we think that they're not ready for, but they're hearing it. We have to deal with our discomfort. To quote your sister-in-law, Christy says, adults consistently underestimate what kids already know and what information they're sharing with each other.
0: This is so important. And this is the thing of like the sex talk. Like, when are you going to have the sex talk? I guarantee you're having it two years too late. Yep. I mean, I have ten, nine, and 7, and they're already talking about it with each other and getting their information from each other. And so- You have to be part of that conversation in some fundamental way because you are never going to stop the part of the conversation where, like, they know about things that are going on. I knew about things in seventh and eighth grade that would have shocked my parents, you know? I mean, there were kids in my seventh grade class who are sexually active and, like, it was being discussed pretty much constantly in my seventh grade classroom. I was, whatever, what are you in seventh grade, 12, 11, you know? 12, 13, yeah, Mm mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that my parents would have been shocked and appalled to learn what was being done and then discussed in those classrooms.
1: And it doesn't mean it's not happening.
0: And I sure wasn't coming home at night and being like, hey, let me tell you about what's going on at school. So it was part of the problem
1: with older kids that like, I wonder if my child didn't want to disclose to me that kids were jeweling because my child couldn't be sure of my reaction. For sure, that I wouldn't be like, what? They want to protect us, I think, from what they think we don't know. And there's a lot we don't know. I mean, there's <laughs> my my kids and their friends are doing things that I catch glimpses of on social media that would curl your hair. And when I ask about it, when I press, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, like, mom, that's out there. Yeah, yeah. They're playing it cool, but they're still sort of looking at me sideways, sort of like, how is she handling this?
0: <laughs> I had a, I wrote an essay a long time ago, but it was about the way that my parents communicated with us. And that my parents wouldn't, my dad especially, this was about, wouldn't come out and be like, so wait, are kids in your school doing heroin? But we had this, like, we developed this, like, weird method of communication where he'd be like, what percentage of kids do you think are smoking cigarettes? And if it was something that was like completely something I would never consider doing, let's use the example, what percentage of kids in your class are doing heroin? (laughs) I'd be like, oh, like 2% dead, almost nobody. That was like, it's never touched in my life. It's not in my... Orbit at all. Like, that is so far away from anything you need to worry about. But then he was like, What percentage of kids in your class are like smoking cigarettes? I'd be like, That's like 60%. Like, it's pretty close to me. Like, it's all around. And it was like a funny way of discussing, like, what percentage of kids would you say in middle school are sexually active? It's like, Oh, it's like 25%. Like, it's not really touching me.
1: You are blowing my mind. Your middle school was intense, Margaret. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, but, but what I'm saying is like, I wasn't, it wasn't an actual representation of what people were doing. The way that I answered the question was how I was communicating with my dad about how much it was affecting my life.
1: Oh, so I see. You were talking about hypothetical larger populations and maybe giving an indication about your own circle.
0: Correct. Like it was all about communicating with my dad, how close this was to affecting me. Got it. So like heroin, 2%. Nobody was doing it. Cigarette smoking, 50%. Like, yes, I was pretty aware of it was all around me. And it was like, I wasn't doing it. And then if I went to 90%, it was like, I'm doing it too, dad, whatever it is. So it was like this funny method of communication where we could kind of hash out without getting into specifics, because the other big problem with specifics And I think there's a huge role to talking this way with kids. The problem about getting into specifics is like, are your friends dueling? If your kid says yes, then suddenly it's like, my mom's going to call their mom. Like, I'm ratting them out. I am narking on them, which has some negatives. As opposed to like, do you think that girls in middle school getting pressured into sexual activity by their boyfriends? Is that something you're seeing? Yeah, I see that. That's a way to have that conversation where it's not like I have to call Susie's mom and tell Susie that Derek is pressuring her into sex.
1: <sighs>
0: and I think there's a huge role for a conversation that is not into the specifics of
1: it. I think you're right. I have, I have gotten somewhere with my older kids by talking about, is this stuff that you see kids do sometimes?
0: I think that's such a helpful way to get into the conversation because it kind of lets you know what's actually going on without it becoming a thing of, if you tell me anything about what is going on in your school, the principal's getting a call 30 minutes later and you're going to get like marched in front of everyone as like the big tattletale of the school.
1: Well, that here's here's the point, I think. As our kids get older this starts to be their judgment call, right? When my kid was in middle school and friends are doing things they weren't supposed to do. And my kid was like, uh, should I tell, should I not, should I disclose my child's affinity at that time was to the peers. And again, it was like, they weren't setting fires, right? It was something that seemed maybe a little bit harmful, but just to them and everybody in there wanted to be in there. So I guess I see that. But then as they get older and the situations get more intense They have to look in themselves for whether to tell or not. And that gets a lot more complicated. Little kids are looking to us. Was that tattling or was that telling, right? Was it a big deal? I squealed. And then they take this interior as they get to be teenagers. And I don't know. The stakes get higher.
0: Yes. I mean... Exactly. And and the stakes are high for us. Like you have a friend who you know has an alcohol problem and is frequently in the car with her children. Do you call the police? Do you call Child Protective Services? It's a hard question. Mm-hmm. These are hard questions. They're hard all ages and stages. You know, like what is your role in other people's lives? I think the basic rule is is it, if it is unsafe for that person or someone else, you probably have some moral responsibility to get involved But at the same time, there's a reason why this is hard, because like your husband said, like, is it your child's role to tell on the kids who are dueling? I'm not sure. I think that's why this is a really hard question.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, it was very clear cut. And then the more I thought about it, the more I understood. I wasn't mad at my kid. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, okay, I get it. There are ramifications to being the person who stands in the gap, right? Whether you're stopping the bully or you're stopping the behavior in the hallway.
0: And it's predicated on the idea that like, there is a huge spectrum of things. I think that if you know that a child in school is bringing a loaded gun to school, obviously that has immediate health risks for everyone involved. It's super dangerous. It is 100% black and white, easy, right? Right jeweling is kind of like there are theoretical I'm not trying to downplay the health risks of jeweling but like you get that it's not as immediate it's not like this is going to kill them tomorrow like they're probably engaging in something long term that's a bad idea but like I definitely understand that as you get deeper into the spectrum the questions get much harder let's talk about this
1: together against bullying they had some really good ideas about how to help a kid discern if they're supposed to get an adult. Great. And this made sense to me. They say, you tell if you need an adult to help solve the problem.
0: And I think that's a great orientation. And Mm -hmm. this is a skill that I think you can easily give your kids. One of the things I think you can talk to with kids is like, who is a mandated reporter in their school? Who they can talk to about stuff that is too big for them. I think that is something that you can pull through the ages and stages. You can be like your guidance counselor is a person who is trained in how to help with situations that are too big for kids. And even and too big
1: for you to tell me, I had this uh, specific conversation with my middle schoolers that their counselor at their school, they have a lot of respect for her. I have a lot of respect for her because she teaches them about you know reproduction and puberty Oh, God
0: bless her. Thoughts and prayers.
1: Yeah. And they don't like snort and roll their eyes like they she she takes them seriously. They take her seriously. I have great respect for her. And I have explicitly told my children, if there's ever something you need to tell an adult, and you feel like you can't tell me, I think you should go and tell her you should know that that that's somebody that you can trust.
0: We have more from that list after this break. Okay, today, since we're talking about tattling, I thought it would be a good idea to bring in an expert on the subject, and that is why we have this seven-year-old here with us today. Say hello, seven-year-old. Hello. What does it mean to tattle? It's called tattling because, like, somebody's doing something that's just a little bit wrong and it's not your business. That's tattling. But why is it so much fun to tell grown-ups what other kids are doing wrong? I have no idea. (laughs) You don't know. Do you sometimes do that, though? Uh, yeah. Are you good at following the rules? Yes. Are other kids good at following the rules? Well, maybe not all of them. So it's kind of your role to make sure that the kids who aren't following the rules follow the rules. Yes. But whose job is that, really? Mommy. And are you the mommy of this family? Nope. Do other kids ever tattle on you? My brother, especially. Do you know who Amy is? Uh, sort of, not really. I saw her in the picture of your podcast. I don't know her. She's my co-host. Um, maybe we're not doing a good enough job of marketing, but to the seven-year-old set. But she says we should get rid of saying the word tattling. Do you think that's a good idea? Yes. Yes. So you, our team, eliminate tattling. Ding, ding, ding. All right. I'll let Amy know that you're on her side of this one. Anything else you need to say about tattling? Nope. Goodbye. I love you. Bye, Mommy.
1: Okay, we're back. And let's talk about what to do as we always turn the corner here into part three. How do we fix this?
0: Yeah, I mean, it. it we're not going to get to like, this is what to do in every single situation because a lot of these are sticky blankets. Right. And I think that you can talk to kids from a very young age about like when, I mean, I'm I, Amy has abandoned the word tattling. I'm still fine with like tattling versus telling and making those kind of distinctions for kids. Don't squeal
1: unless it's a big deal.
0: Don't squeal unless it's a big deal. It's fine. Amy loves a rhyme. It's going to be that one. But I do. I do love rhyme. I think finding someone in our um, Helpful Tips episode, a bunch of people who I think were all from the South, were like, surprises are okay, but no secrets. Like, really helping your kids develop a language around, like, surprising your brother for his birthday is a surprise. Not telling when something bad is happening is a secret and, like, making those distinctions. And I think keeping that out of families, I read a long time ago an article about, um, It's, it's an oldie locks alert back in my day, but it's still, I think is snuffleupagus still on this Sesame street. Uh, snuffleupagus is still on Sesame street, but everybody can see him now. So it used to be that when we were growing up, snuffleupagus was a elephant, like a woolly mammoth kind of elephant, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he was Big Bird's imaginary friend. I can't believe we didn't talk about Snuffleupagus. He was Big Bird's imaginary friend, but he was only Big Bird could see him, and he would tell people about him all the time, and then nobody would believe Big Bird when he talked about this giant woolly mammoth friend of his, and at a certain point people kind of wrote in or whatever happened and people kind of said to Sesame Street, like this runner where Big Bird has something that he's telling people that people don't believe is not a good message for kids. And so there was a whole episode where like Big Bird introduced Snuffleupagus and everybody got to see him. And it was like, oh, this thing you've been saying is true. Yeah, I remember that episode. And it was like an interesting developmental thing of like, Oh, maybe underscoring to kids that nobody would will believe if they tell them something is not a good idea. And so they they made this adjustment, which was really nice. But I think making a distinction with your kids, and it's something that happens sometimes with uh grandparents in-laws. Don't tell your mom that I fed you these three donuts. Like encourage people not to have secretive stuff with your kids. Like open communication is kind of the goal.
1: Amy Morin and her very well family article had a helpful sort of, Thing around secrets that I had never heard before that was useful. Good secrets. You can teach your kids, have an expiration date. Like we're not going to tell about this um, special Christmas gift for grandpa, or we're going to have a surprise party for your brother and we're not going to tell.
0: That's a great way to think of it. They have
1: expiration dates. You only have to, yeah, you only have to keep this secret till the end of the day or the end of the week. And my, my oldest kid knew what my youngest baby was going to be. This is a long story, but I'll I'll just say like, I knew what we were having. I didn't want to, the nurse told me by accident. My husband and I had already decided we weren't gonna find out. And um, so my husband didn't wanna know. So I knew that my youngest was a girl and my husband had no idea. And um, my son, who was four at the time, found some pink baby clothes that I had hidden in the closet. And I said, you can't tell, this is a secret. Daddy really doesn't wanna know. And I remember so clearly him strutting into the hospital room. And me holding baby Maggie. And we said, She's here, meet your baby sister. And he said, I never told. I never told. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so hard for him.
0: I think it's just reinforcing the language around this all the time is just helpful in terms of like, like we talk about um, you don't, you don't shoot at someone in a game who doesn't have a gun. You don't play rough with someone who is not fundamentally consenting to rough play. Like you have conversations around a lot of issues that are really about hopefully later, okay, we don't do anything with people who are not consenting to what we want. And and I think these secrets in these kind of conversations are the same too. Like We can talk really generally about what's going on in your life without naming specific people. So we can kind of be discussing these things. One of the things that Christy brought up, which I would have never thought about, is like, what if your daughter, I say daughter because I'm so gendered about it. What if your child has a friend who is engaging in really unhealthy eating, like not eating for a couple of days to stay thin? Is that a secret that involves your daughter? Right. Is that something that should involve you? That's a tough one,
1: but it occurs to me that maybe, you know, we've talked a lot about how our kids sort of offload their uncomfortable emotions onto us by taking things out on Mm -hmm. us. And this is a case where we should encourage them, like, if there's something you don't feel right about, you can tell me and I'll help you figure out what to do about it. You know, maybe we have to make it sort of clearer to our older kids that they can talk things through with us and we'll help them figure out what to do and we'll figure out together what the right course of action is but it isn't you have a loyalty.
0: And I think we have to acknowledge as high resource parents who have a lot of education on this stuff. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a high resource parent. You're a person who is seeking out information on how to be the best parent to your child. You're reading articles about, you know, how to deal with eating disorders and stuff. As a high resource parent, you have to realize that your kid's may have peers who do not have high resource parents who are not able to be there in the same way. And like your child may be the person they're coming to for resource. And that's a big burden on your child, but like you can help them navigate it. And it isn't all roads lead towards like the minute you tell me about that Susie skipping meals, like I'm calling eight counselors in and we're having her like arrested and carting off to eating disorder jail. Like that's not the only thing that's going to happen. I may just help feed you resources. You know, there are, there are solutions to this that don't necessarily involve, like, the catastrophe that you're thinking of.
1: There's a specific here, it occurs to me, like when your kid walked in and said, I have to tell you something, but I don't know if I should, you know, and you're like, ding, 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 that when a kid says to another kid, I have to tell you something, but you have to promise you won't tell anyone, that that's probably something mm-hmm. where they're going to have to tell someone. And just because the kid is saying that doesn't necessarily mean that they mean it. And You mean they're telling you because they want you to tell someone. They're telling you because they need help. Yeah. And if you're like, I don't know what to do with this disclosure I just received, then you probably need an adult to help resolve it. And you're not betraying your friend who has confided in you because your friend needs help. Your friend's asking you for help. And if you don't know how to help, then it's okay to go to a grown-up, even if your friend has said, please don't tell a grown up.
0: Yeah. And I think talking about this, I talk sometimes about it. I remember my mom talking to us about it in certain ways of like, literally like baggage, like we now use the word baggage as kind of a punchline. But like, they're handing you something that's too heavy for you to carry by yourself. Right. Like, think about it that way. Like it's, they're carrying something that's too heavy for them. And they're asking you to share carrying it. And now it's too heavy for both of you. You need a grown up to come and help you like carry this thing because it's too heavy for you guys. You can't can't t- carry it
1: so that's something specific that's something separate you can talk about with your kids that's different from um kids who are jeweling in the bathroom and nobody wants an adult to know about that being confided in by a friend about a big problem and how they handle that it's probably something we should talk about with our kids before they're put in that situation
0: yeah absolutely and like I think this is the role of like the family table which we come back to pretty much in so many episodes mm-hmm. which is like dinner as a family is about talking about what's going on in the news what's going on in your days what's going on in the world and like we had so many conversations around our family table about like moral dilemmas there used to be this is a super old Lux alert we're really piling them up in this episode you are there used them. to be a game called scruples do you remember this a board sure. game back in my day it was like the hit board game of like the early Nineteen 80s? No, late eight no, it's late eighties. Yeah. Okay. But it was a board game and it was basically like moral dilemma questions. Basically like you're at a store and you've found out your friend stole a can of soda once you get outside. Like what do you do? It was so it was like you would have these family discussions about these scruples issues. And our family nerded out on scruples. We loved scruples. My dad was a lawyer. My my brother turned out to be a lawyer. Like they could debate the scruples cards for <laughs> hours at a time. Like why this was entertaining, I don't really know. But I think facilitating general discussions about like, what is our family morality? Like, what do we believe in? How do we want to help other people? Like, yes, generically, like you want to be a good person, but what does that actually mean? Like having those conversations and then having a lot of conversations about stuff that you're not sure your kids are ready to talk about yet, probably helpful yes why do people start eating in a disordered way what is that about what is sex what are the mechanics of it how does it work I feel like I kind of squirrel around some of these issues sometimes but I've started really diving in like every time it comes up we were in the city the other day in fact we were right by your apartment Amy but you weren't home we were driving right by and it was like museum of sex on a bus and yep. my kid was like what is that I about know. <laughs> You freaked out my 10 year old. And I was like, oh, uh, it's probably a museum where they talk about different sex stuff. And I'm like, I'm diving in. It came up and I'm I'm taking it as an opening. And he was like, right.
1: It's on the bus shelter. You have no choice.
0: Basically ready to like roll out of the minivan and go seek shelter probably in your place. But like I was like, sorry, you brought it up. And like my sister-in-law has a joke with like her teenagers that when they were like sophomore and junior year, every time they got in the car, she'd be like, is it sex or college? What are we talking about? <laughs> But it's like, you know, you kind of got to attack these things head on and not shy away because your kids are going to get confronted with this stuff so much earlier than you think they are.
1: And when you're confronted with a story, as often happens at home, about a kid got in trouble at school or a kid got kicked out or I heard about this other thing, I have tried with my older kids, as the infractions get more serious, right, to not overreact, to underreact. And show my interest in the topic. Show my interest in the topic. Tell me more about this electronic cigarette. One of my kids knows a kid who got in trouble for burglarizing a store. And this is a child that I had known a few years prior, like missing a tooth at the spring concert. It was unthinkable to me. And I hear about it, I say to my kid, did you hear about this? And of course, my other two children are like, yeah, like everybody knows about that. Yeah, and and I tried to get past the like, why didn't anybody tell me, and tried to calmly discuss the details of it, and also discuss why this might've happened, and how everybody
0: deserves a chance at redemption. Like, while inside my head, I was like, what? But Also, don't layer too much on this. So I was just talking to Amy before we started recording, our cat's been missing for five days. Poor Avril, guys. She was missing. And this morning we woke up. We were getting breakfast. And I mean, it's been three days of the kids crying every day. Where is Avril? Do you think she got killed? Do you think she and I was trying because I didn't think she was coming back at a certain point. I was like, well, you know, sometimes they meet a mate and decide to go live a happier life with that person somewhere. (laughs) Like I was totally starting to see the like she went to live on a farm in the woods with a happy mate. So anyway, we got up this morning about whatever, seven o'clock, made breakfast at eight o'clock. My son was like, oh, Avril came home, by the way. I was like, hey, By the way, <laughs> what like we have for five days been like weeping and gnashing our teeth about our missing cat and like all three kids saw her this morning and no one told us for an hour. Like you have to remember that kids just are very self-oriented. They're not necessarily keeping the jeweling from you. I mean, they probably are to some degree because it's secret, but like you also can't overestimate. I had a kid who came home every day for a year. How was school? It's fine. What happened? Nothing. we were fine. Fine. Nothing. Every day for a year. And then someone was like, I saw his teacher at some point. She was on crutches. Oh, my God. What happened? Oh, didn't he tell you I fell in the classroom and broke my leg and the ambulance people had to come in the classroom, cart me off and bring me <sighs> to the hospital. And I was like, no, never mentioned it. He's, she said, it's really funny. Like most of the boy moms told me that the, the boys never mentioned it. And the girls were like, wait until you hear this. Right. <laughs> The girls were like, news report from the fourth grade classroom. (laughs) So you don't have to layer onto this whole thing of like, I'm not a trusted parent. They're not telling me every single thing that happens. Maybe it's just like I was busy playing, you know, Fortnite. And I didn't mention that our cat who's been missing for five days came back home. Like, because I'm in my own world because I'm crazy and I'm a child. You're right. Right.
1: Sometimes the things that we think are huge deals, like, like our kids aren't agitating about if it isn't actually somebody being injured or hurt by another kid, if they can't put themselves in that situation. My child was like, I'm not dueling. That seems dumb to me. My child was spending zero time worrying about the health and safety of those kids.
0: Right. It wasn't their center of their life. And right, it maybe wouldn't even occur to him. And I think you've got to keep your ego out of this. And like, A lot of us identify as like, I am the type of special parent whose kids would tell them anything. And it's such an important part of my parental role that I am an open book and my children trust me. You got to get that out of this story and just try to be like, I am facilitating the flow of information back and forth. I love my dad's percentage way of talking to kids. I think it's so smart. Like, hey, what percentage of people are doing, are jeweling in your school, do you think? If they say 50, it's like, oh, okay, I got to keep my eye on that jeweling thing. That's going along. If you say what percentage are, you know, shooting heroin into their necks in the classroom, they're going to be like, nobody's doing that. That's ridiculous. Okay, fine. Like, just have conversations where you're constantly kind of gauging, like, what's going on? Do you hear a lot of people in your school being pressured around sex stuff? I would ask that question at the dinner table. Do you see a lot of girls worrying about what they're eating and how it's affecting their bodies? Do you see, it doesn't have to be girls, but like I I do, I frankly worry about it more with my daughter than my my sons, but maybe that's crazy. Do you see kids talking about this kind of stuff? You know, I mean, we all went to schools where like, there was like a creepy teacher disappearing in the bathroom with kids and nobody was talking about that. Like, you're not going to get a constant good exact report on everything that's going on, but you've got to facilitate the information coming in. And then if your kid is not reporting on something, I mean, spend a little time on what they're not reporting, but like move on to like, how am I the adult helping you with this problem? Like Amy says, you don't overreact to the thing. I'm like, what, why didn't you tell me? And when your kids are little, I think focus less on teaching them that
1: telling on their friends is bad and focus more on, it's hard to know when you should tell and when you shouldn't. Let's talk about that, like, and and go through these hypotheticals with your with your kid who's prone to tattling, squealing, whatever you want to call it, and help that kid understand the difference between surprises and secrets and good telling
0: and bad telling
1: rather than castigate them for telling.
0: And also, like, when you're in charge and when you're not in charge, because I think that's part of this, too. Like, hey, you're not in charge of this. We have a famous story in our family of my nephew who is this kid to just his, every fiber of his being. And we were having a family barbecue. And at some point he was walking around, he was like six years old and he was bringing plates over to the adults and being like, why was this person excused? (laughs) There's still corn on this plate. I thought we were supposed to eat our corn. Like he was inspecting the plates to wonder why people had been excused. And it was so stinking cute. But it's also like, you're not in charge now, six year old And you're not in charge when someone brings you something heavy when you're 16 either. We're in charge. We've got this. Like, it's part of the same story, I think. Don't worry about being in charge. Let us help you. We've got it. We've got, we'll we'll take care of kids who didn't eat their vegetables, and we will also take care of it when someone brings you something too heavy to carry. Well said. Um, Amy, I think we solved it, although solve is probably not the right word for this one, but I feel like we made a lot of progress today. We, Yeah,
1: we figured out that it's all gray areas, and here are some good parameters to put around it and help your kids talk about it.
0: Huge shout out to my sister-in-law, Christy, for bringing this up. And while we're doing shout outs, Amy, we have a shout out today. Yeah. We're reserving some time. Moving on from things you shouldn't tell or should tell, we're going to tell you about the Mom Hour podcast, guys. A lot
1: of you probably already listened to the Mom Hour. Um, Sarah Powers and Megan Francis are good friends of ours. They've been doing this for even longer than we have. They have a great parenting podcast that comes out every week. They also have episodes called More Than Mom, where they talk about, like, what books they really liked recently and just sort of conversation about non-parenting topics, which I really enjoy. They are so thoughtful as parents. They're very funny. They've got a great Amy Margaret
0: chemistry. Wouldn't you say? I agree. (laughs) We even know which one's the Amy and which one's the Margaret.
1: But anyway, we love them and you guys should definitely check them out where you get your podcasts.
0: Yeah. A lot of you found us through them and we want whoever's not listening to them to make sure to check them out. The mom, Hour podcast guys. Okay, and you guys know where you can
1: find us. You can find links to the research and the stuff we talked about this week on our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at WFH Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at @whatfreshhellcast.
0: And you can always come to our website, whatfreshhealthpodcast.com, for all things What Fresh Health Podcast. <laughs> Do it. Okay, guys. Uh, great talk this week, Amy. I really enjoy it. Yeah, this was a good one. I learned something. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.
2: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above